Blog Talk Radio. Good evening. How are you doing out there? I'm Eric Olson, and this is BC Radio Live here on a very rainy early, what, Wednesday evening in Cleveland, Ohio. Boy, we've had some great weather here. We had a super holiday weekend. It was most toasty and warm and dry, but uh, the rain's finally catching up with us. That's probably okay. It's midweek. Things are dried out and all that. Boy, great show tonight. I am really excited. We haven't had a traditional kind of hard-rocking, 80s, pop-metal-influenced band on the show in a long, long time. Very excited about Burn Halo. They are rocking and riffing. We'll be speaking with the leader of the band, the lead singer, the songwriter, James Hart, any moment. Coming up at 6.30, we will be speaking with Josh Hathaway. Also excited about that. Haven't talked to Josh on the radio for a while. He does many, many things for us at Blog Critics, including being one of our music editors. And, of course, Lisa McKay and Philip Wynn will join us for that. While we're waiting for James of Burn Halo to call in, which uh, should be any moment now, scheduled to be on... As we speak, let's talk about the band a little bit. They uh, they have a new album out. It actually came out several months ago, a few months ago. It was out in uh, March, I guess. Yeah, and uh, Warner picked it up. Uh, it was recorded originally for Island, Death Jam. And uh, James had just left a band he'd been with for many, many years. He's from Orange County. He was in 18 Visions. That band broke up in 07. I guess he was in that band for about for about 10 years. And he uh, did not pass go, went immediately into working on the new project, which came to be Burn Halo. And he hooked up with songwriter-producer Zach Malloy, who was from Tulsa, Oklahoma. So they were whipping back and forth between L.A. and Tulsa and worked on this material Recorded it with a bunch of uh, pretty, you know, hard-rocking heavyweights. Nickelback drummer Daniel Adair, former Jane's Addiction bassist Chris Chaney, guitarist Neil Tymon, or Tiemann, I'm not sure which, who now tours with American Idol winner David Cook, and uh, Malloy ran things in the studio. So that all came together, worked on that through 08 for... For whatever reason, reasons that are not clear to me, certainly, because, man, I, I'm really digging the, the CD. It's a little out of my uh, my sweet spot in terms of what I listen to on a regular basis these days, although, man, I've been rocking hard all the way back to the, oh, I hate to say it, back to and I was a guitarist myself and playing the riff rock. That was That was probably what I was best at, so it was cool stuff, so. I'm getting a call here. Let's uh, let's check it out here. Let's see what this means. Hang on one second, please. Yes, well, ho- hoping that was James calling the wrong number, but no. It was my sweet daughter, Lily. So, oh well. Sad, sad, sad that I could not speak with her. All right, so I'm here by myself, which makes it, makes it a lot harder to do the uh, follow-up stuff, like saying, hey, when's the dude going to call in? But let's uh, let's see. I'm going to send an email while we speak and uh, see if we can hook up 
with James. All right, I have done that. This is drama in real life, my friends. So anyway, uh, I'm uh, excited about the band, and let's see what else is going on with them. They're on tour. They got a big tour coming up here. We can check out some of those dates. They will be at the Zoo Amphitheater in Oklahoma City, and that is coming up on the 29th, which is Friday. They'll be at Rockfest in Kansas City on the 30th. Then they start a tour with Hailstorm and Beer Union, and they'll be all over mm, the Midwest, then into the East, and that begins June 10th. They'll be in Dayton, Flint, Detroit, Youngstown, Buffalo, Clifton Park, off to Northampton, Massachusetts, Hartford, on and on. And you can gain all kinds of information about the band, their tour schedule. You can hear it. Check out tunes. Uh, there's four tunes up on the site, so that's cool. At uh, the band's MySpace page, it's www.myspace.com slash burnhalo, B-U-R-N-H-A-L-O. So uh, I guess that's what's going on at the moment. <laughs> I, um, like I say, it's awkward waiting for people, but, you know, sometimes it is awkward waiting for people. But, you know, that's rock and roll, man. So, you know, here we go. Uh, let's see. Have I heard back from my good friend Amanda? My good friend Amanda, who set up the interview, and no, not yet. All right, well, while we're waiting, why don't we check out a tune? I think that would be the wise thing to do, and be a cool, groovy way of killing a little bit of time. Here is the opening single, the first single from the Burn Halo album, and uh, it's a pretty good indication of how hard and how riff-rocking the whole album is. Let's check out Dirty Little Girl by Burn Halo.
right. Oh, yes. My gonads are hurting. That was rocking most, most hard. Hey, uh, the reviews that have been coming in on the on the album are, are really great, and they're actually pretty much right on. I'm, I'm thoughts myself that I am uh, that I'm seeing many others have written. The the band the sound is really focused on that hard riffing '80s rock sound of uh, you know L.A. based where you had uh, Motley Crue and Poison and Rat and L.A. Guns and all that. There's some influence uh, on some of the other tunes. Uh, there's a couple that have uh, pretty strong Guns N' Roses type feel, a little more of a, a roots rock feel to them. And, um, and then I, I even heard Allison Chains on, uh, on a song or two. So what it does is it really updates that sound. It, it's a little bit harder, a little bit punchier, a little bit grungier. Than uh, than those bands from the past, and it's uh, it's brought right up to the present. So I am uh, I am duly impressed, my friends. Although you know it'd be nice if we could have a little chat, just have a little chat with James. Just her back from my good friend Amanda, and she's she is on the case, man. You know these poor publicists, they gotta they're always stuck in the middle. They are always the ones in the middle. Everyone's mad at them when something goes wrong, and uh, you know. Almost never is it actually their fault. It's a it's a no win situation. You have to be something of a of a masochist, I think, uh, because you know often they're not literally in charge anyway. I mean, they're not you know literally the handler. You got to go through management and this and that and everything else. So as we know, the band is out on the road, and uh, as I said, their next date is uh, Friday, the 29th. And once again, if you want to check out the band, you can hear a bunch of tunes, at least four songs, and a video that I've found. It is a very active and and well orchestrated and well uh, and very artful. I like the uh, I like the uh, cover art. We have a of a Southwest feel with revolvers uh, and a uh, the the age old cow skull. So hey. You know, that's the southwestern sort of feel, I guess. And it's not a whole lot of that, but it's not completely absent either. So uh, I guess maybe we'll uh, check out another tune. Good thing we are fortified. I have three tunes uh, from the CD to check out. So let me check the switchboard one more time. No James yet. So, yeah, let's check out the next tune. This one's called Our House, and it's by Burn Halo. It's from their... Self-titled debut CD, and it is Rockin' Hard, Our House by Burn Halo.
immerse ourselves in the burn halo thang while we're waiting to hear for from James Hart, lead singer, leader, front man, songwriter, cool groovy guy. Man, you should check out those tattoos. Uh, you know, if you're a fan of tattoos, this is a this is a prolifically tattooed individual. And you can check it out by going to the band's site on MySpace. Uh, let me see, do they have another site? Often bands do, but regardless, there's there's plenty of content here, uh, no no lack of it. Go to www.myspace.com slash burn halo. And we just heard uh, Our House, really rocking. I thought of another band the, uh, back from the good old 80s who, uh, who they remind me of. And again, none of this is like, whoa, slavish imitation. These are just... These are just influences that I'm picking up on or just uh, similarities in sound. I'm not, I never think anyone's really trying to sound like anyone else because, you know, everyone sounds like themselves, and that's the way it ought to be. But anyway, good old Rockin' Don Dockin. Dockin' was the band. Remember the great uh, George Lynch on guitar? He's still around, of course, one of the one of the great metal-slash-hard-rock guitarists out there. And... Uh, it turned out Don Dockin was my neighbor, believe it or not, in Redondo Beach. I have no idea. Or actually, it was Manhattan Beach. I have no idea if he's still around. Uh, he may well be in that area. And uh, somehow we got to be friends. I, I Honestly, I can't remember where we first met. Uh, maybe I interviewed him for something or other. Found out we were neighbors. Anyway, we got to be pretty good pals and uh, hung out some. And I went to some rehearsals of the band, which is really fun. I love the insider stuff. It's always it's always fun to see how people do stuff, and you know when people are really talented, even just in a in like a rehearsal setting, they're they're still pretty great. So I'm sitting there, you know, getting a concert by myself in their in their rehearsal studio, and uh, it was fun. I, I had a I had a great time in the in the 80s doing all kinds of stuff. My uh, 
my media career goes way, way back to, uh, well, the 70s, I guess. Started in radio at a tender, tender age. But I, uh, I was in L.A. in the 80s, which is where I'm from originally, originally, and was back there for the 80s. And uh, I was doing some radio, did a lot of writing for various publications, and uh, met a lot of people, did a bunch of stuff, had a lot of fun. I was DJing, too, myself. Started a DJ company in the mid-80s, ended up... Uh, Meeting a lot of people, so it was a fun place to be. It was crazy. Another show, another band uh, I'm thinking of that was similar to that sound, although I'm sure they were not as good. Uh-oh, uh-oh, we may have a call. We we may, in fact, have a call. Let's check it out. And I can quit blabbing uh, about my <laughs> path. Is this James? No, sir. No, it is not James? It is not James. I was getting into the queue here for about uh, 10 minutes from now, Captain EO. <laughs> well, if you've been listening, you hear how I've been uh, I've been stalling because we haven't had James Hart from Burn Halo checking in. And, uh, you know, so I've been uh, saying all I can about the band. Which is quite a lot because I've heard you fill time before. Oh, I've been yeah. I've been filling like a mofo. And we do have one more <laughs> tune. We got one more tune to throw on there, so that'll kill a few minutes. So yeah, let's check out a third track from Burn Halo's self titled debut C D. <laughs> the song is Save Me in lieu of lead singer James Hart. <laughs> James Hart. Man, I've said all I can say in 20 minutes about you guys, considering, you know, we haven't met or anything. But, man, I was yeah. comparing you to all my favorite uh, my favorite 80s hair metal bands, and I mean that in the nicest way. All the really hot bands, the Motley Crues, and the uh, the Rats, and the Poisons. And, man, I, I, I love those bands, and I, I got to know, actually, quite a few of them, and, and Doc, and I was neighbors with Rockin' Don Dokken back in the 80s in LA. So I've been talking about that, but man, I love this CD. It really does bring me back. It makes me feel young and youthful again. But it's not just all the riff rock. We've heard three songs. We just heard Save Me by the way, my friends. Okay. And that's prior to that. We heard Dirty Little Girl and Our House, portions thereof anyway. So those are all pretty hard riff rock and tunes, but there's plenty of variety on there too. I heard some some Guns N' Roses, I heard some uh, Alice in Chains even. So you, you've taken that 80s uh, pop metal, that L.A.-based sound, and really brought it up to date. And I, I think it's really great. I enjoy it very much. Oh, thanks a lot. You know, uh, when I was doing the record, I wanted to make a rock album that, you know, had some tasteful, classic, uh, you know, overtones to it. <clears throat> 
Well, it certainly has that. Uh, now, I had heard of, I just went to check and see if I had any CDs, and, and I, I, thought, I could have sworn I, I did, but I guess I didn't. Tell us a little bit about your, your previous band, because you were with them for, what, 10 years, right? Yeah, probably a little, uh, <clears throat> a little longer than that, actually. Um, you know, I just started that band in high school with a couple of guys, and, you know, just started out as, as a metal band. We wanted to sound like Pantera and, you know, Sepultura. And it kind of uh, it evolved from there, you know, went from doing local shows to, you know, playing out, you know, maybe once a month, you know, um, maybe across the state line or, you know, a few hours outside of our, our little uh, our little area. And, you know, from there, any time we would have, you know, a week or two, you know, off of, uh, you know, college or work, you know, we'd go out and, and, and do, you know, small touring up the West Coast and, you know, one thing led to another, uh, an indie deal and, you know, national touring. And then, you know, obviously the progression of the band led to, you know, us getting upstream to Epic Records and, you know, making more, uh, you know, commercial, marketable, you know, rock albums. And, you know, we were a band for, you know, a very long time, did, you know, national, international touring and, you know, disbanded in uh, in early 2007, which, uh, which led me to you know, kind of go on and, and do this thing and, and, and start uh, writing music for what would later become Burn Halo. Starting all over again. Well, it doesn't sound like you've lost any enthusiasm. You don't sound jaded or anything at all. It sounds like you've been kind of revived by it. What what caused the breakup of that band? I'm just curious. I always ask that. You know, it's just like I think the band kind of ran its course. You know, I think... I think with with what we did and our, our musical progression from record to record, all the changes that we made, all the risks that we took musically, um, you know, I think that we were really struggling to you know find you know find out like what kind of band we really were, or 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 not necessarily that. Maybe it was the other way around. You know, the listeners and the audience really trying to figure out what kind of band we really were. I think that's that was more the case. You know, we we had our goals intact in and you know, what we wanted to do and what we wanted to accomplish. But unfortunately, you know, it didn't always, you know, everything didn't always come together, you know, at the same time. And, you know, I think that, you know, with with the deal that we had with, with Epic and, you know, where things kind of ended up, um, you know, on, on, a, on a radio promotion end and, and how much money they spent on the band. And we, we just weren't, you know, I think living up to their expectations, although we were kind of living up to ours to a certain extent. Uh, you know, and then they they ended up just deciding that they were going to pull the plug on us, and I think that that kind of, you know, left everybody you know up in arms. They didn't really know you know what was going on, and you know people didn't want to tour in a van anymore, or, or go back to a van, I should say, from being in a bus for the last you know year and a half, uh, you know, to cut down on costs and, and save money. And you know, I think that they just a couple of guys just wanted their their home life, and you know, to be able to write music and maybe play locally but not really uh you know not really you have to deal with the uh the pain and the what ifs of you know the music industry on i think a professional level or as far as just you know continuing on uh as a career wow i've never heard that before discrepancies between the band and the record label uh that's it's tough man i mean you feel like the rug's been pulled out from under you yeah, you know it's it's hard, man. You got to get everybody on the same page. Um, you know, you got to get you, you got to get them to believe in like the game plan and you know w- what you know what the task at hand is, and you know you got to get everybody you know together and and they've all got to have the same goals and and know how to accomplish those goals. You know, once 
once they don't and once you stray from the path, you know, it's really hard to get back on. Sure, sure. Well, as I said, it sounds like you've really been uh, revived with with Burn Halo. And, and it sounds like, I don't know, I, you always hate to, to say um, attach the label, you know, that maybe that someone's matured. But, I mean, it seems to me like that maybe that's what's happened because you've, you've spread out a bit stylistically. I mean, you're still rocking super hard when you rock, but, you know, there's some ballads on there, almost a little bit of a countryish feel. On a song or two, and uh, and I think your voice sounds really good. I mean, it holds up. Uh, you 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 have uh, you've moved into these other territories, I think, quite well and successfully. Thanks. You know, I think that uh, I, I don't know. If, I don't know if it's necessarily like a, a maturity thing because I feel like, you know, throughout the years of eighteen visions, like I was able to, you know, mature as, as a songwriter, musician, and you know, an entertainer. So I think it all just kind of carried over with this, but really, you know, just kind of, it just kind of stems from the fact that I was able to start fresh and go with my ideas, you know, solely, not have to worry about, you know, what the next guy brought to the table or, or you know, giving up, compromising, you know, certain ideas because somebody wasn't into it or because maybe it wasn't for the better of the song or for what the band was about. I mean, I'm a rock dude. I always have been, you know, whether I was in, you know, a, a metal hardcore band or or not, I've always been a rock dude, I've always been a big fan of it, you know, it's what I grew up listening to, so, you know, I think the, the people that, that, that know me personally and know me really well, um, you know, or have known me over the last, you know, 10, 15 years, know that, like, this is this is what I've kind of always been pushing for and all, what I've always wanted to, uh, to do, you know, and I think that, you know, being in that band for so long and, and what we what we went through and what we dealt with really just kind of gave me the experience, uh, you know, of the industry, um, the inside, you know, the inside uh, and out of the record label and, and the record industry and, you know, just, you know, how to be smart, you know, touring and, and you know, wh- where to cut costs and, and, wh- and where you can't cut costs. And, man, you got to be tough, don't you? Yeah, you know, you definitely have to. Uh, <laughs> it's you, not you an easy have business. To, you definitely have to be, uh, you know, persistent and, you know, you have to have the work ethic for sure, you know. can't You definitely can't be lazy about it. You kind of got to go out and make things happen on your own so it looks like uh, you got a real cool tour coming up with hailstorm and veer union look like it'll be in the midwest and and then on to the east that sounds exciting yeah we're stoked you know those bands are you know they're i think they've been around longer than us but you know they're both doing the same thing we are right now which is you know putting out new records and you know really trying to establish themselves as you know, uh, an up-and-coming, you know, rock band, regardless of how long they've been been around. You know, it's I think, you know, we're all trying to, you know, make it and break it right now, you know. And it's it's just great. You know, all, all three bands are, are really, you know, climbing the charts at rock radio and, you know, doing some great things. So it's, you know, I think it's going to be a really positive tour. Excellent. Well, to give people the uh, the information on the tour and the dates and where you guys are playing – we want to refer everyone to www.myspace.com slash burnhalo. Great site, by the way, and I love the I love your cover art. How'd you come up with that? Oh, thanks. You know, I just uh, it, it's weird, man. I had I had something similar, um, you know, months back uh, with like the kind of Western, you know, Western art and. I had somebody approach me, you know, through through the MySpace page saying, yo, you know, I'm a graphic design guy. I could, I think I could, you know, do a good job, you know, on, on your page. Just tell me, you know, kind of what you're looking for. 
kind of gave him the idea of what I wanted, <clears throat> sent him a couple of graphics of what I liked. He, you know, he put some things together. You know, I told him where to make the changes, and, and that's what he did, and, you know, that's what he came up with. So, you know, I was I was stoked. I think it's, uh, you know, I think it's a striking image, and, you know. Yeah. It's, it's got I, a cool vibe to it. It's very powerful. I love the I love the detail, the filigree on the guns, man. That is, you know, that's yeah, some, right. That's some very cool stuff. I mean, they did they glow. I mean, you'd swear they were they were metal, you know. So yeah, I mean, it's a great site, and it sounds like you really have things together. Super CD, you know. I'm I'm at this point in my life, you know, I I don't listen on on a daily basis that much. You know, to current anyway, hard rock. You know, I've kind of drifted off in different directions, and I kind of go in cycles and do this and do that. But man, hearing yours uh, really does bring me back to, uh, like I said, kind of, kind of the, you know, the the riff rocking, the fun, and but and but the ballsiness, you know, and the real passion of uh, of L.A. metal, uh, you know. Slightly modified. Metal means different things to be different people. I think of it more as just like real hard rock. You know, taking hard rock to its extreme. There's some sort of barrier there where metal's different. And it sounds like your first band, you know, definitely was more on the metal side. But this is just like yeah. really hard rock. And uh, I'm loving it, man. I, I really like the CD and, and uh, definitely encourage everyone out there to check it out. It's Burn Halo. Self-titled. Uh, it's been out a few months now, and uh, and uh, it is it is great stuff. All right, one last question, then we got to shift over to the other half of the show. I'm sorry we didn't have too much time, but man, I talked about you. I talked about yeah, you. Yeah, no, you know what? I've I've been having major issues with myself on the last two weeks. It basically, if I don't have it, you know, completely plugged in 24/7, it'll die after five minutes of being off uh, off the charger. So. I'm working on getting a new battery here in a couple of days, so I've got I, one coming to my house. So I hope that is the uh, <laughs> I hope that's the problem solver. Well, it's fine. We just kind of front loaded, you know. We played the songs. I gave the background and all that. So I mean, it turned out just fine. I'm glad you were able to to get in. You know, we were able to chat. But now I gotta know what about the tattoos, man? As far as I could tell, you are a maximally tattooed individual. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I guess I started making the mistakes when I was 15, you know. <laughs> so, uh, you know, one thing led to another. Uh, I've got, you know, I've got a bunch of junk on, on myself. You know, so, some of the stuff that I've gotten, you know, in the last couple of years has a lot more depth, a lot more meaning behind it. You know, a lot of the stuff I got, you know, when I was younger, it doesn't, you know, it was just kind of spur of the moment. Maybe maybe a bad decision here and there, you know. But no, that's what, never happened. <laughs> yeah, what can what can you do? You know, you're, you're, you're young and 15, and you're able to get tattooed. You know what you I know? think? I, I keep thinking with with this this current era, you know, where so many people, including women, you know, have tattoos, and so many tattoos. It, you know, we're watching the you know watching the NBA playoffs. A man, and what two thirds of the players have have uh, many tattoos, it seems like, or at least half anyway. And uh, it just keeps I, – I, I keep thinking there has got to be a, a, a huge market if someone could come up with a – you know, one that actually works, doesn't leave scars, and isn't ridiculously painful, tattoo removal. I mean, do you, does that exist yet? I, I haven't heard that it does. I don't, 
I don't think so, but I'm, I'll definitely be on the lookout for it. I'll be the, I'll, you know, I mean, <laughs> hey, they can, they can, they can test it out on me if they want. That is so you know? funny. It's so funny to hear you, you being that honest, you know, because a lot of people just, they may feel the way you do, you know, but they're not willing to to own up to it. So I. Uh, uh, no, I'll, I'll tell you how it is. I'm a pretty straight shooter, so. Well, that is no clear. Problem. That I is clear. I have no problem telling you that I've made some mistakes. <laughs> Well, I appreciate your honesty. Hey, good luck on the tour. Good luck with the CD. Really, really, uh, you know, wish you the best. And uh, sounds like you're, you know, you're someone who's who's been through a lot and a lot of experience, and and yet you're still, you know, passionate and and love to do what you do. And hey, that's what counts, man. Really, really hope you find the the widest possible audience and and things go as well as possible for you. Uh, thank you. I appreciate it. Again, I do apologize for my tardiness. No problem. Much better late. There's not even a. uh, There's no comparison between better late, you know, and never. You know, you were here. We got to talk. We covered all the main stuff. Uh, I got to play the music before that and and set it up. So no problem at all. No problem at all. So good luck with the tour and and hope to talk to you soon. Absolutely, right on. Thank you again. All right, thanks, James. All right, bye bye. Bye. All right. That was James Hart of Burn Halo, better late than ever, as as we heard. And uh, <laughs> you know, cell phones, man, that's it's one more reason not to only have a cell phone. My 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 two older kids have not had a landline for years now, and I, I it, to me it always feels so vulnerable. I, I I just can't imagine that yet. All right, well let's let's move on. We talked briefly with Josh about halfway through the. The Burn Halo segment. Uh, are you still around, Josh? I am still here, Eric. That is so rocking maximally. And are Lisa and Philip now with us? I'm here. And yes, I am. Excellent. Lisa Hail McKay. Hail, the gang's all here. Oh, it's, it's beyond exciting. It is beyond exciting. <laughs> well, as we said I knew, earlier. I knew, that, I knew that Josh would hang around for a chance to talk more. <laughs> oh, oh, heck yeah! Well, he, he didn't really talk earlier. He just uh, he, he was in the he was in the right place at the wrong time. Is is what Phil's he just forgotten himself? He knows that Eric is still hosting the first half of this segment. <laughs> yes, the words and the edgewise. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you this this that that segment uh, certainly harkened back to uh, to some of the other interviews. That we've done on Blog Talk Radio over the last what I guess year and a half now, or yeah, it is a year and a half. Uh, yeah, started. I I mean, you know, as often as not, it seemed like, especially the big name people, you know, they don't call it the right time, they call the wrong number, got to put, got to you know, put myself on hold and go track them down. <laughs> Fortunately, this time I had the uh, I had the publicist sort of uh, going back and forth on on email, but she didn't know what was going on either. So it turned out to be a, a cell phone issue, which is not unusual. That's often what we hear. But, yeah, we want to talk to Josh. So we have Philip Wynn, who is our, our chief geek and has been the architect of the vast remodeling, <laughs> retooling of blog critics over the last uh, month or so and still ongoing Interrupted by the the server move, which now does seem to be straightening itself out to more or less. Uh, <laughs> I did hit a monster a few times today. I had not hit a monster 
in a couple days. Today I hit a couple. I, I have to do the Technorati promos on for their site on Tuesday, so I'm over there poking around, seeing what I'm going to promote, and damn it, if I didn't hit the monster. But it didn't last too long, so... <laughs> Well, we, uh, we we had some about 15 minutes ago, but that was that was actually good news. It was part of uh, pushing on a couple new features I'll be emailing about soon. All right, excellent. Well, we we are focusing on uh, Josh Hathaway, who does a number of things and is uh, vastly and some of them right, and some of them right, vastly important to blog critics. He was our original, our original BC Radio podcast thingy prior to. Prior to Blog Talk Radio, host and had to deal with man all of the tech issues of of doing it by hand and editing by hand and gathering interviews on on tape or or in some recorded form and then having to slop that all together that was that was a lot of effort I I, I can absolutely know feel and uh, commiserate having done some audio editing myself. And so, you know, that was that was amazing stuff. And Josh has also been writing for us now for years and years and years, doing an excellent job. He is a music editor. I guess now he's a senior music editor according to according to what Lisa said. And uh and and you run your own site, which is also music oriented. And uh now have you been taking a did you take a break from that? What what just a pause there? Uh yeah, I took a, a brief hiatus. Um, it was somewhat unintentional uh, that it happened. It, I guess really when it happened is as we were going through the blog critics site design, uh, there was a need for some of our uh, most experienced editors to kind of have that sort of all-hands-on-deck mentality. And so I found myself trying to be available for that and also um, – Due to some of the the hiccups and frustration, we saw a very very brief um, changing of the submission pattern. So I also found myself trying to write a little bit more specifically for blog critics, and um, it was an unintentional hiatus. But I think it will prove to be good. I was starting to feel a little bit stale anyway, and I'm now getting to the place where I'm starting to miss. Uh, what I had been doing. So I think all will be good, and it's also a sign, too, that blog critics are starting to get um, – we're seeing fewer of the Technorati monsters and, you know, people who thought that we should completely overhaul the site and do a massive server relocation simultaneously uh, <laughs> may have been shot or had their bodies buried in some, you know, hellhole of a bunker or something like that. And so um, – Trying to clear some things off the plate to to get back to that and and achieve balance and chi all over again. <laughs> well put. All right. Well, uh, as as we do in this in this portion of the show, I try to uh, suppress my logaria. And uh, why don't we <laughs> why don't we turn things over to Lisa? Okay. <laughs> um. We're going to try not to talk about Springsteen because we could probably just do the next 20 minutes on that. But (laughs) I actually had wanted to to focus in a little bit on um, Josh is is turning into kind of a renaissance man here. Um, Those of us who follow Josh's Twitter feed know that he is the proud recent owner of an Amazon Kindle. And 
that seems to have also ignited a spark in Josh to write some book reviews. Now, you've had, like, what, two published in the past couple of weeks, Josh? I think we're now up to three. I just just had another one go up today. So let me ask you, because we we talk about, and Philip and I have probably had this conversation a couple of times, too. We talk about Kindles a lot at our house because we're, we're both huge readers, and we literally don't have any more room in the house for books. And yet we keep buying them. So yeah. when you run out of room, the key is to build more rooms. Yeah, there's not there's not a room that doesn't have you know bookcases, and there are no horizontal surfaces free of books. So tell people who really love the smell and feel and heft of an actual paper book how you like your Kindle and what sort of inspired you to get one. Well, uh, what inspired me to get one is, um, you know, one of the things where, you know, some of these other gadgets, you can go into any department store, you can play with them, pick them up, fiddle with them. Uh, The Kindle was being sold exclusively through Amazon. So part of what inspired it is that a coworker of mine bought one because I see the advertisement when I shop at Amazon.com, proud sponsor of Blog Critics, selling the soap here, guys. Um, I would see them on there, but I didn't have any concept of, of really how they looked and felt and worked. And so getting to play with the coworkers um, was one of the things that led me to it. And then it was ultimately a, a very impulsive decision and not surprisingly a contrarian decision because um, for those of you who have you know wandered over to um, my Confessions of a Fanboy site, when it comes to the digital versus the tangible, um, I, I've had all sorts of, of arguments and temper tantrums about the love-hate relationship I have with digital music. I have an iPod and an iPhone, and I love the digital portability, but I'm still passionately in love with the physical uh, object that is the compact disc with, with music on it. So it's so funny that I would love the Kindle um, as much as I do, um, for people who still have the romantic notion of, you know, the printed word on an actual page that's been with us for these hundreds of years, um, you're not going to hear any mockery from me. I understand it. And I think one of the things I've seen as I've started using the Kindle, too, is that there are still some types of books or some books that will operate better that way. Or I certainly understand that. But I've actually found some aspects of reading more enjoyable um, with the Kindle uh, than, than I do with the traditional book, and nobody's more surprised by that than me. Well, that's interesting. What, what part of the experience do you find better? Because I'm actually surprised. I could sort of think of like a couple of occasions, like I'm thinking um, if you have to commute to work, for example, on a crowded bus or a subway or a train, I can certainly see where having a Kindle would be a huge advantage to lugging a book around with you. Well, one of the one of the parts of the experience that has actually been better for me, aside from you know the um, the easy you know the the ease of portability, it, it's it's actually very it's tiny yet it feels substantial enough in your arms like you're not going to break it every time you 
you press a button, but um, I've had a lot of tendonitis problems in my wrist, and the Kindle being a much smaller um, to hold than, say, your standard paperback, or, you know, if you're holding a paperback in your hand, you know, you've usually got your thumb sort of there in the binding, a couple of fingers or maybe all four of your fingers in back of it as you hold it out there in front of you at whatever distance. And I tend to, when I start reading a book, I rarely will read a page or two. It's usually I'm committed, so I'm going to be here for a while. And I would find that, you know, holding um, the paperback or, or even a hardback where it can be heavier and less forgiving would actually hurt my hand. You know, most people, they think, you know, you've been on the computer too long, which that's also part of my day job. But um, I found that holding the Kindle, it's very light. Um, you can adjust the type size so you can hold the device as close or as far from you as your, as your eyes need. And I've just found it very comfortable to my hands, which is sort of an underappreciated part of the of the whole reading experience. And, and so that's actually been something that I've been pleasantly surprised about. Huh. Very cool. Now, do you? how many books do you have on it now? Right now I've got, I believe, 14 books on it. Um, it comes with the new Oxford American English Dictionary. I'm actually, I can actually tell you, I've got my Kindle here in my backpack that I take with me. Um, one of the cool things, too, is um, I don't always leave work for lunch, but there have been a couple of days I've actually taken my Kindle out to the car and just read in my car to get out of the, out of the office for a little while. But uh, when you buy the Kindle, it comes with a, um, the most recent edition of the New Oxford American Dictionary, and um, I've since bought... Uh, and it also comes with the Kindle User's Guide, and I've now bought, um, uh, I guess, 12 books or so, and I have finished four of them. I've got reviews written for three, and I'm working on a fourth, and I'm now um, putting aside my nonfiction fix and uh, finally reading a, a novel right now. Cool. So do you find yourself reading more? You know, I have, and I think part of it is the Kindle is atrociously expensive. I'm still a little bit, um, I'm still a little mortified that I actually impulsively spent that much money, but now that I've got it, I dearly love it, and so I'm myself reading more. Huh. Now, how many? Go ahead. <laughs> I was saying I, I, I'm also mortified that you spent that much on an impulse. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> as, as I contemplate whether or not to buy an $800 television this weekend. <laughs> I understand. I understand. It was, it was shocking to me, but now that I've got it, I, I have been reading more, and I think it's, one, because I tend to go in spurts where I will read heavily and voraciously for a period of weeks or months, and then I'll sometimes go months where, where I don't pick up anything, and I also think it's in part to justify in my own mind, at least in some measure, how much I just spent on the device. But it's really cool. Is the screen easier on your eyes than, say, a laptop screen? It is. 
the, the, um, the screen on a Kindle is not backlit. So if you're reading in a low-light environment, you'll still need some sort of external light. And it's surprising how closely the, the words on the screen on the Kindle resemble actual words on a page. It's not very much like staring at a computer monitor or a laptop monitor at all. It's, it's a very different visual experience, and I'm not um, technical or, 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 you know, visually oriented enough to explain all of that, but there's a process, they call it um, e-ink, that is what the Kindle is using, and um, I was very surprised. No, it's not nearly as fatiguing as staring at, you know, any of the other electronic gadgets that inhabit our life for hours on end. Yeah, I think that was one of the things that sort of worried me about the idea, mostly because I, like you, sit in front of a computer terminal at work all day, and then I'm generally on my laptop for hours on end when I get home. And I actually find that reading a book is almost sort of restful to my eyes because it's not kind of reflecting back at me while I'm looking at it. So how many books can you actually fit on that thing? How how big is the disk? They claim now I think that the actual memory module in my particular model, which is the second generation, and they're about to come out with a um with a larger version this summer. Mine has um I believe two gigs, which doesn't sound like a lot until they tell you that they approximate that you can get over 1,000 books on this two-gig <laughs> second-generation module. Well, there's your summer reading right there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, and I don't even have to go to some um, uncomfortable, crowded beach. Um, I'm, we're, we're, not, we're not beach people in my house, but, yes, I've undertaken a summer reading program and um, really, really loving it. Not beach people. No, sir. No, sir. People keep throwing pointed sticks at me, and, and, and there are all sorts of Captain Ahab references, and it's just, you know, it makes me feel bad about myself. Oh, now, now, now. No one believes you know, that. They, they, you know, free willy jokes, all, all sorts of things. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't dig the beach. I like air conditioning. Um, everything I like to do um, can be done. Indoors, I like to write, I like to read, I like to listen to music, I like to uh, watch movies, uh, I like to watch sports. Now, those, if you want to see those in person, you have to go outdoors, but, but generally speaking, um, most of my great interests happen indoors with air conditioning the way God intended. Do you like to <laughs> swim? No, I actually... My parents wasted more money on swimming lessons as a child um, than on probably anything else. I sink like a rock. Wow. All righty then. Well, we so won't argue about that. If the Titanic goes down, if I if the Titanic goes down, um, I'm I'm going with it. Um, I'll try and swim, but I'll get about two and a half feet, and then that's pretty much going to be it. Not a glider, eh? You know, mentioning uh, mentioning the beach actually brings up one of my biggest concerns about a Kindle. Uh, Lisa mentioned earlier it's probably better to take, 
you know, take Kindle on a crowded bus and all that kind of stuff. I, I kind of think about it the opposite way. I mean, if, I, if I'm going to go to the beach and read something or if I'm going to go poolside and read something, you know, if water splashes on my paperback, I've, I'm out six, seven bucks. Water splashes on my Kindle. How much was it that you paid again, paid again Jeff? Um, $369. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's not so much something I want to do uh, near any, any source of water. My wife is more comfortable around water than I am, and um, she's been known to take a paperback into the bathtub with her and has been known to see if the paperback wanted to swim. That's one of the reasons that she, despite the fact that she is a more voracious reader than I am, that's one of the reasons she said, I don't want one. She said, we both know that thing's going for a swim. Hey, I have a question. Oh, first of all, did you just see uh, uh, Indians owner Larry Dolan had a heart attack? I'm, I'm looking at Twitter right now, just seeing that. Did you hear see that? Oh goodness, no, I, I hadn't. I hadn't seen that. Um, he apparently has watched his team play this year. Apparently. Um, wow. I hope that he is. Um... Maybe this is a residual effect from the 11 to 10 comeback win. He was so startled that his that his poor. Uh, Cardiac. Do they have any updates on his condition, Eric? No, they, this is like just – I'm just seeing that headline coming through from uh, from Cleveland.com just just as we speak. Wow. I want to ask you one other thing before we run out of time. Uh, sure. In one of your other guises, I think it was under your, your uh, Confessions of a Fanboy Twitter feed, you, you mentioned that you just don't get – Jazz. First of all, I wanted to hear what is what are Phillips and Lisa's takes on jazz because I don't. I know I've heard Lisa talk about it, but I don't remember if I've heard Phillips say much. And then this is this is me in stunned silence that Josh doesn't get jazz. Well, he said get. You know, uh, obviously he's spending some time listening to it. It's not like he's avoiding it, but get. You know, quote unquote. Um, I mean, I've always felt that I had a better understanding and appreciation of, you know, in the broadest sense, pop rock, meaning kind of everything other than, say, classical and jazz, than I do of jazz, and certainly than I do of of classical, even though I have a fair amount of, of training in it. But uh, I, I've always understood or, or had a, a, a better appreciation or, or a more intuitive grasp of it. But as I've gotten older, I, I, I do put a fair amount of time and effort into listening and, and trying to figure out, you know, what I like better and, and worse and what really works for me and, and then and then just come try to come to terms with that. You know, why is it that I like this one versus that one or this style versus that style? You know, like, Josh, as you were saying in a, in a different context, uh, you were talking about country and you were saying how much you don't like pop country, you know, the typical – Nashville radio stuff, and for the most part, I don't either. Um, although I may have slightly less dislike than you do, or, or at least, but I do love you know roots music in general, and I, I like a lot of bluegrass. I like certainly blues. I like um, you know southern soul. I like a, a fair amount of folk music. You know Americana, which is sort of an umbrella. But you know, I agree about that. So, trying to make a parallel to that, as far as you know, jazz goes, you know, like I don't like uh, the the um, um, 
smooth jazz, what is called smooth jazz, and you would hear on a smooth jazz station. That, to me, just sounds like, typically, it's just kind of like bad R&B, bad. So it's not, it's not, yeah, that's not really jazz. Bad <laughs> funk, you know, whatever. Yeah. But but I love, uh, you know, uh, gentle jazz. There's a, you know, e- cocktail jazz, evening jazz. I love, you know, I love Miles Davis uh blue period i love you know the lighter side i lo- i love a lot of uh you know pianists who who are who are approaching things gently and i love a lot of ambient music of uh, you know a certain amount of of jazz uh, acid jazz and whatnot gets tossed into there so it's kind of like i know what i like but it's not always easy to define it or or to explain it to people you know it when you hear it so i i was that all of this just was sort of brought up um, when I saw your comment about getting jazz. So having, having sent things all over the place, uh, I, I will toss it over to you to, to try to respond to all 17 of those questions. Well, it, it, it's, that's, that's great. I think I can clarify. Um, and actually, the way you ended sets me up. When I say I don't get jazz, it doesn't, I don't say that, and this is one of the challenges of, of Twitter and, and 140 characters in context. It doesn't mean that I dislike jazz. Really what it means is that I have found jazz intimidating and more so jazz fans intimidating because, you know, just like Eric, when you were talking to, to James earlier uh, for the brief duration we had him, you know, there are certain – segments of music where the fans of that particular music can be very um, brutal and abusive in one form or another. If you're listening to the wrong kind of rock, it can, you know, you show up at a, at a Pantera concert wearing a winger t-shirt and I do believe you will get your ass kicked, you know, or, you know, as well you should, Yeah, as well you should, you know, and, 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 you know, this is really the will of God, or, you know, uh, although going to a Pantera reconciling that, we'll leave that alone. Anyway, you know, or you you hey. have some people who are serious students of jazz, and you walk in with a Kenny G CD, um, it, it, you know, you, you'll get laughed out of the room. Maybe they won't be as, as, as physically intimidating or, you know, within the punk rock scene. What happened, I don't know. Mark, Mark Celeste is kind of scary. Well, Mark's scary in a whole host of, of, of other um, areas and, and, and whatnot. But a lot of what it is for me is, you know, for someone who loves music as much as I do, to have as little musical ability, I think, is one of God's cruel ironies. Really, all I can play is an iPod. And so jazz can be very... Cerebral jazz can be very, um, it can be very distant and impenetrable, at least with what little exposure I had. And so a lot of what it was is I never really knew where to start to find what niche, you know, what niche I may like or, or not like. And the funniest thing, and it's, you know, sort of blog critics features into this prominently, part of the way that I started to Discover just a little bit of jazz is um, there's a guy his name's Barrett Martin and if you've been over to Fanboy or, or Blog Critics I've written about him a lot 
he was a drummer for uh, a Seattle rock band in the 90s called Screaming Trees. And there's a fascinating guy who is now ordained in um, as a Zen Buddhist. Uh, he, he's got his lay ordination. He has traveled to Cuba, to Africa, uh, all, all over the world um, to study um, world music and, and, and jazz and all of its different forms. And it's in listening to some of his music, which I was interested in because of his uh, connection to Screaming Trees, which was a band I really loved, that I started to hear more jazz and um, world percussion and it kind of opened my eyes and my ears to it, but I still feel very much like I'm, a, um, like I'm an infant, um, just you know, you know, just a boy trying to become a man in the world of jazz, still really crawling, not even standing up. And so I've started to listen to some of the Miles Davis Blue period. I think uh, Kind of Blue is um, an unspeakably beautiful record. Um, and, and kind of try to find my way through it. So I don't dismiss jazz. I just um, stand somewhat slack-jawed and in awe of it. Well, that was a very honest and, and interesting response. Um, real quickly, because we're, we're at 7.02, and, and so we're yep. no longer on live. Um, I mean, what I would say, what my suggestions are, uh, what, what seems to work, what what, what worked for me, kind of when I was at that phase, because I I very much was was at that phase and absolutely did feel uh, have you know felt intimidation and, and can still too if I'm really trying to do it. But um, I, I I think a really great place to start is just do you know which which I think you already do a lot of do a little bit of of reading you know and just. Poke around. There's so much stuff online. There's, there's always books, of course. But, you know, there's kind of really a central canon, you know what I mean, that's pretty much universally accepted as these really are the standards. You can go through the, the Library of Congress list, you know, pick out the jazz from there. You can do kind of a history of jazz thing. I find the farther back in time you go, the less intimidating it is, but that may just be a distance in time because it sure is not as though they weren't – the playing wasn't amazing. You know, I mean, you go back to the, the 20s and hear Louis Armstrong. It's it's spectacular playing. But anyway, um, you know, and, and just kind of listen to jazz's greatest hits, you know, kind of like you would enter into any field. And – you can reduce it, you know. I mean, people will tell you you can't, you know, or, or that's a reductionist approach. But I, I think that that's a, a, a good door because now you're hearing what is perceived to be generally accepted to be the best. And so why is that so? So if you're, you know, you're listening to it, you're thinking, why is this? You know, so how does this relate to these other ones that are, you know, in theory the best? And um uh, you know, and, and then there's lots of, of lots of inroads into jazz from stuff that you're already very much uh, well versed in and very interested in. You know, there's certainly a very strong blues jazz connection. There's, uh, you know, there's a there's a rock jazz connection certainly. There's a you know there's there's some great stuff from the later '60s and and into the into the '70s fusion wise. You know, Mahavishnu Orchestra and Herbie Hancock and whatnot, and Miles Davis himself for that matter. Um, you know, with the with the rock jazz connection, and 
uh, I, I think that's a great place to start. The other thing I want to say about jazz is it, it is fundamentally a different way of thinking about music in that kind of all the rest of popular music, uh, all the other genres were, you know, it, everything other than classical and jazz, basically, it is basically song oriented, song structured, uh, beginning, middle, end, and it, there's a you know a, a melody there, and you're following a line, and the song is kind of ultimately the the uh, irreducible point. With jazz, the song is the starting is the leaping off point. See, so the point is not to convey that song. The point is to use that song as a basis then for improvisation. So ultimately, that's what it's all about. It's improvisation. What are the greatest? You know, that that's what's the greatest quote unquote in the history of jazz are the greatest improvisations, the greatest the, those who were best at it and their single greatest performances, and. Um, you know, when you approach it from that standpoint, then uh, it starts to make a lot more sense because you're not looking so much for song structure. You're looking for, okay, so what are they doing with that basic melody? And often, you know, it's, it's a, it just cracks me up when you hear, you know, what, what comes out of a jazz musician that's supposed to be some song you think you know well because, man, you may hear one little snippet of it, you know, at the beginning and the end – that you recognize, and all the rest is is improvised. But if you start thinking of it that way and start to appreciate what goes into that level of sophistication, the speed, the dexterity, the knowledge, all of those things, and, and then just the musicality of creating those improvisations based on often, you know, very simple, familiar stuff. Uh, familiar melodies, familiar tunes, then I think that's a pretty good uh, jumping-off point as well. So if you, if you combine those things, kind of approach it from a Jazz's Greatest Hits standpoint, check it out, see what you like, see, see what is meaningful to you, see what strikes a chord, no pun intended, and then while you're doing that, keep in mind it's not the songs, it's the improvisation. I think that goes a long way because you're obviously very passionate, interested, knowledgeable about music. So, you know, I think it's really just a matter of, of putting a little time and effort into it. And, and I think you'll find stuff you really, really do like a lot. And it will come to be some of your, your favorite music over time. Well, that's, you know, that's kind of how I did it with the blues. I kind of started with rock and worked my way back and just read, um, bringing it all back home to, to the Kindle and blog critics. Um, Ted Joya is a great writer that we have writing at blog critics. And he wrote a terrific Delta blues, uh, Mississippi Delta blues history book called Delta blues. And it's actually one of the featured reviews over at our blog critics book section. I wrote a review of it, downloaded it for my Kindle. And he's also written a book called the history of jazz, which is um, on my to read this summer list, and so um, I plan on using um, one of our uh, fine blog critics and also published authors as uh, as a bit of a guide through um, through a through a musical genre that, to this point, I, I've been a little bit distant with. Um, I dug right in there with the blues, and it found some stuff that I just really love. And, and reading his book, I learned more about stuff that I already like, and also. Um, 
learned about some some artists that I didn't know about, and you know I've added that to my um, go check out list uh, at, at Amazon or iTunes or or what have you. So um, thank you, um, thank you, Master Kenobi, for the uh, for the fur- for the further guidance with my jazz exploration, and um, it's something I'll be writing about for Blog Critics and over at Fanboy as I return from my hiatus. Super. Excellent. Cool stuff. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun to get into things. It's fun to, you know, like I said, to this day, I, I, I don't feel that I have a, uh, a familiarity, you know, with jazz or, or classical that I do with kind of everything else, you know, and, and probably, probably for a lot of the same reasons that you said, Josh, you know, uh, I'm coming from a pop rock kind of, you know, top 40 back to my early, early, early childhood, uh, you know, which at that time, top 40 really was eclectic, you know, uh, I'm talking mid-60s now, yeah. and, you know, so it was kind of everything but jazz uh, at that point, and, and jazz and classical, and, um, you know, so, I, I mean, I've never arrived at that level, because I'm not, I'm not that kind of musician either, I, I mean, to the extent that I am a musician, it's, it's very song based. It's very kind of simple stuff. It's simple chords. It's you know, it's just playing. And uh, you know, to play jazz you really, really, really do have to know what you're doing. And you have to have some theory and you have to um, you know, know how to get from one place to the next in a in a smooth manner and ultimately in a in a inventive and and, you know, personal manner. So uh, I'm certainly nowhere near any of that, and you know, and my ear has never developed uh, in that way, um, you know, to the extent that it has. You know, I, I feel like in many areas of popular music, I would consider myself a, you know, quote unquote uh, expert, uh, and I would trust my ear anyway, if not my knowledge. I would trust my ear w- against anyone's, but. But jazz, you know, I, I feel like a beginner still, too, and maybe always will. But there's so much there that even just feeling like a beginner, there's still there's hundreds and hundreds of jazz records that I really, really like and, 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 you know, think about them and can kind of conceptualize what they sound like in my mind. And so certainly I have no doubt you can arrive at that point. I've, um, I've I've got that with a few of the records I've got, um, the Barrett Martins, the Dave Carter, and, and um, I've got, you know, like I said, Miles Davis, Kind of Blue, um, has become a, a regular staple of my listening here lately. So, um, yeah, you know, it's cool. I didn't know what I was getting myself into when I set off to um, trace some of the blues roots and um, have found some stuff that is just phenomenal and I love and and I think the same thing will happen with jazz and you know that's the fun of exploration um, because right now it's not that good music isn't being made now of course it is but um, you know the, uh, the there's also a lot of stuff that you kind of have to wade through and, and jazz is sort of its own universe apart like you were saying you know jazz and classical uh, kind of exist you know, way over on the other side from, you know, everything else. And so it'll, it's kind of cool to um, to go explore and just set everything else apart and, and let it all shake out, you know, let let Green Day make their records or, or, or whoever. And um, 
just kind of go um, swim in some different waters, which, you know, I can't really swim, but musically, I can <laughs> Um, All right. Well, we're we're almost up to quarter after seven, so um, uh, let's fill up. Appreciate and... the invite. Oh yes, Philip and Lisa. Any last thoughts? I, you know, I thought that your your advice about how of, how to get into uh, jazz or any genre of music is is really good, and I, it's an approach I sometimes use when I'm I'm trying to get into something I'm not very familiar with. I like that. Thank you. Well, I, I'm I'm still not convinced on the Kindle, but but I am going to try out the uh, Kindle iPhone app, Josh. <laughs> I, I know I'm missing most. I'm missing most of the. I'm sorry. But most of the advantages you listed of the Kindle are not present in the iPhone app, of course, <laughs> in that it's a backlit screen and so on. But uh, I also already own one of those. <laughs> yeah, and it won't cost you. You have, you know, the one advantage that comes with the iPhone app is something to the tune of three hundred sixty-nine dollars that you will have yeah, that right. I do not. On the other hand, and and imagine this probably should be our last note. Uh, sure, that's expensive. You know, I mean, it's it's the cost of a of a of an expensive phone, shall we say, multi-purpose uh, expensive phone, but. You then save on books from then on. You do. You do. And if you read enough, at some point it can become somewhat cost-effective. And if you've got the situation that um, that the McKays do where they have no more space to place a book, um, if you read so much that you're running out of room, being able to get the books cheaper, you can um, – you you can somewhat take the dent out of the upfront cost over time. And um, – Apparently that's what I'm trying to do. I'm I'm reading in volume. I'm reading in bulk. I'm like Costco right now. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thanks to you all, and uh, really hope to see everyone here at six o'clock Eastern next Wednesday. We'll have another great show. Until then, have a great week, everybody.